I am Anna Banana. I am your kid's pastor. Today I'm just going to be Anna, but on most days I'm Anna Banana. Um, I am also a mom. Like Chris said, I have four kids, raised them all. One's sitting back there in the bench, one's back there in the sound booth. So yeah, I'm a mom. I love that title. I do. It's very much, very much my identity. I'm a Nana. I have two beautiful grandsons. They're amazing, and I love them so much. And I'll tell you what, being a mom's cool, but being a Nana is even cooler. I love it so much. I'm a wife. Now, might be some debate here. I was a wife. I am a wife. I'm a good wife. Um, my husband did 32 years in the Marine Corps, so I think I deserve all the medals. I deserve to be wearing that thing right here, right? Yeah, just saying. Okay, for those of you who know, you know. Um, I'm a Californian. I was born and raised in this great state, originally born in the San Francisco Bay Area, but for the last 30 years or so, I've called Southern California my home. I'm an American, which, you know, yeah, there you go, America. All right, right on. Um, I'm a female, right, okay. So these are my identifiers, but here's another identifier that's really important. I'm a Christian, right? This should have been put at the top of my list. But when I'm asked, when I'm walking down the street or when I meet a group of people and I am asked, who are you? What makes you tick? Tell us about Anna Banana. I very rarely start with I'm a Christian. I usually always start with some of my other identifiers. I'm a mom. I'm a Nana. You know, I work as a children's pastor. But it's not always the first thing at the top of my list. And I started thinking to myself, why? Why isn't that the first thing I say? What makes it to where I'm not comfortable or confident saying that as my first thing? So we're going to start off by identifying what is a Christian. The Oxford English Dictionary says that a Christian is relating to or professing Christianity or its teachings. Now that's an adjective. That's important. The next part is a person who has received a Christian baptism or is a believer in Christ. That part's a noun. So really quick English lesson. Adjective describes the noun. The noun is the person, place, or thing. So you're either described as a Christian or you are a Christian or both. That's cool. So Merriam-Webster makes it a little bit easier. Merriam-Webster says a Christian is one who professes belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Okay. And the next one is a disciple. So we're going to get back to the disciple part. Um, in just a moment, so bear with me. Merriam-Webster had a few other definitions, but I really didn't need them for today, so I kind of just left them behind. Said, nah, we're good. Um, so basically, this is me. I don't normally walk around with a sign telling people who I am. I don't ask who other people are, and I don't expect them to ask it of me. But this, these are my identifiers. We all have identifiers. Everybody's identifiers are different. We spend so much time and energy trying to fit ourselves to society's definition of what those things are. If I'm a mom, am I good enough? Do I feed my kids the right food? Do I do enough stuff with my kids? Am I teaching my kids properly? Um, sure. Yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah, I'm going to say my kids have never had junk food a day in their lives. They do not know what a Twinkie is. They've never been through the McDonald's drive through and they've never had a slice of pizza. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to say that. We always have deep, meaningful conversations with a learning point at the end. It's always really good. I'm super patient and kind and compassionate with each one of my children. Never lost my temper with any of them. And if I was posting on social media, that might be what I post. Reality is, is drive through at McDonald's was dinner most nights, and TV was a great babysitter, I'm just saying. 
So, and as a wife, I was perfect. I was the best wife. Now, Eric is not in the room right now, so I can say that. Um, but, you know, hey, what can I say? Um, but we have um, a standard in the Bible. It's Proverbs 31, and that is like um, the ideal Proverbs 31 woman. And that is something I have always wanted to be. I have tried to strive to be. Not always there, but I'm still working on it because I'm still a work in progress. So I give myself some grace. Now, the next identifier that I have that I love, and I use this one a lot, is children's pastor. I love my job. However, I have to tell you guys, it's not my job. It is a calling. I was given this. It was laid on me. And as Chris was saying when he was talking about who I am, when it was time for me to step up to the plate to do this, um, there was a lot of prayer happening about who's going to step into this role. And a lot of people knew it was going to be me before I knew it was going to be me. But God said, yeah, this is going to be you. And my hesitation didn't come from, I don't want to work with kids. It was literally, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. I'm just a mom. I, I don't have anything else to bring to the table. But God said, no, you're worthy enough. I'm equipping you with everything that you need to be exactly who I need you to be. So when I say that I'm a children's pastor, I proudly wear that sign, that identifier. I love doing what I do. I leave here every week. My cup is so full. Whether it's a Friday night parents' night out, it's a Thursday night thrive, a Sunday morning teaching Sunday school, and the kids are rolling around and calling me grandma and all this, it's a thing. But it's amazing, and I love it, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's ex I'm exactly where God wants me to be, doing exactly what he wants me to be doing. Um, so now we're going to circle back to that term, disciple. A few weeks ago, I see Eliana here, hi. A few weeks ago in Thrive, we talked about what it means to be a disciple. And so this is how we discussed it. D, being devoted to Christ, to love others the way Jesus loves us. To be involved, I, be involved. Um, care for other people. Spirit, to remember that the Holy Spirit lives within us. It's a gift. And it's up to us to allow it to dwell inside us and to do what we're supposed to do when being prompted. C, Christ-centered. Keep Jesus at the center of our lives in everything that we do. Invite. I struggle with this one. Be bold and invite others to meet Jesus through us, to encounter Jesus through how we do. Our mission statement here is to know the love of Christ and make that love known. So invite. How am I making the love of Jesus known to others around me? The P is for pray. Pray boldly. Pray humbly. Pray for other people. The L is for love. Love people, even when it's tough to. Even in those situations where you're just like, ah, you just got to. That's what we're supposed to do. It's not easy. God doesn't give us easy, but it is something that we are supposed to do. And then encourage others, which all of you are doing this morning by being here and smiling at me. And if you're not smiling, smile. I'm looking. Just kidding. Um, when I was preparing this for the kids, I used the verse John 13, 34, 35 um, to just help us all get what it means when I was with the kids. And it says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And even though we're talking about being a disciple, the word that stands out that's mentioned so many times is love. Love each other. Just love. I mean, if we do that, if we love God and love each other, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. He makes a way for us. He comforts us. He shows us what we're supposed to be doing. So digging deeper in all of this, um, 
I found out what more of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So Easton's Bible Dictionary says, a disciple of Christ is one who believes his doctrine. So what's his doctrine? To love one another. Go out there and love God and love each other. It's very simple. So B, rest in his sacrifice. Remember that Jesus died for us. He died so that we could be free. He died for me, for you, for you, for you, for you, for the guy on the freeway that gave us a nasty look when we cut him off, merging lanes, right? He died for every single one of us. Imbibes his spirit. Now you'll see in parentheses I put absorbs because I did not know what the word imbibe meant. So I had to look it up. So imbibes his spirit to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. It is a gift. And D, imitates his example. Be like Jesus. That is not easy. Every day to get up and always be kind and always be happy and always be like, let me pray for you. That is not always easy. I'm just going to say. But with the Holy Spirit, we can do it. We just have to remember that that's what we're supposed to do. It's hard to put ourselves back and put God first, making God the center. Once we do that, then we remember what we're supposed to be doing. Now, little trivia. Did you know that the word disciple is only found in the Bible in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in the book of Acts? I did not know that. Um, I could have guessed it probably, but I had no idea. I never really thought about it. So initially the word disciple is to describe the 12 apostles, those 12 men that are following Jesus around, learning about him, trusting him, having this intimate relationship with him each and every day. After the death of Jesus and his time here with them and then his ascension, um, the meaning changes. It's not just those 12 men. It's anybody who has Jesus in their lives, anyone who is a Christ follower, a Christian. So um, Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says, it's the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So now the word disciple becomes an identifier for everybody who follows Jesus and who is willing to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus as our Savior. So do I do this? Am I truly a disciple? Have I truly given all of myself to him to be molded and equipped to do his works? Is this truly my identity? Is it yours? One of my favorite parables in the New Testament is found in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22. And it's the parable of the rich young man. And I'm sure you've heard it. It's the guy who goes to Jesus and he has all his stuff. And he's like, Lord, what do I need to do to follow you? How can I enter into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, well, keep my commandments. And the kid says, well, I have. I've done everything since, since birth. I've followed every single commandment you gave me. And he says, okay, great. Now with all your wealth, give it away. Give it to the poor and then you can follow me. And the guy is sad and he just walks away. And he, he can't do it. So we're going to read that verse really quick. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, 
Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. I am convinced that this is just as relevant to each of us today. Maybe not the wealth part, but we all have something that holds us back from following Jesus completely. It is so hard sometimes to say, this is here, I need to follow Jesus, but I got to do this first. A few years ago, if that had been me, if I had been the one and Jesus said, leave everything behind and follow me, I'm going to be honest, I don't think I would have been able to. There was just too many things that I had to take care of first. And I kept keep using the term I had to take care of because it was me. I wasn't trusting that the Lord had my back. I wasn't trusting that he was walking with me. I was trusting in myself rather in Jesus. And that's hard to think about. What is something that keeps me from following Jesus completely, from being a true disciple for him? So as I continued to prepare for today, I got to do some research, which I kind of really like doing. And here's something that I found that I thought was really, really beautiful. So just sit back and enjoy the ride. Number one, as a Christian, a devoted follower to the way of Jesus, your identity encompasses all the abundance of being a beloved child of God. The next one is just by placing your trust in Jesus, you're qualified to be a saint. That one was fun for me a few years back when somebody said, oh, well, you're a saint if you follow Jesus. And I thought, whoa, like Peter, like Michael, like, you know, all these saints that you know from, you know, some of the other religions that worship saints. And I was like, wow, I get to be one of those too? That's cool. Did I get my own little statue? Just kidding. Um, so Ephesians 2.19 says, so when you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Right there, Paul is telling the Ephesians, and he's telling us too, that we're now all a part of God's family, that we're saved by grace, through faith, and in Jesus. Number two, you are blessed. God has given you and me the greatest blessing of all. He's given us himself. No matter what season of life we're in, no matter what path we're walking, Jesus can shower us with his blessings if we let him. He wants to shower us with his blessings, but we have to let him. And that's sometimes the hardest thing is to let him. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This brings me to number three that says you are appreciated. God sees us and he knows who we are and what we do. Our human selves want recognition. We want that pat on the back. We want that good job. I know at the end of this, I'm going to want that, so everyone be ready. Um, but we all want that, right? We all want to be just know that we're seen, that we're heard. God knows us. God sees us. God hears us. And it's important to remember that we are to serve cheerfully and in love. We may not always get that pat on the back. But that's okay, because God knows what we've done. He will bless us for what we do. And when I have those moments of struggling because there's no pat on the back, I go to um, Zephaniah 3.17, and it says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. gives me so much comfort to know that he's always with me. He knows exactly what I've done. So even if nobody else cares what I've done, God cares. And that's always important for me to remember. The next one says, you are saved. Jesus died for us. He died for me, died for you, died for you, died for you, died for the guy on the street, died for all of us, right? He's here every single day. He took our sin and he died so that we can leave our stuff behind us 
and get rid of the old selves so that we can move forward with our new selves, so that we can do the work that he designed each of us to do. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. The next one says, You are reconciled. That was kind of weird for me, that reconciled. So I, in my notes, changed it to redeemed. You are redeemed. God wants us all to live together harmoniously, to be able to work together. We're all part of one body. And it's our job to just be able to work together and love each other. Jesus died for us, so he reconciled us to God already. He's given us the Holy Spirit to give us courage and strength to be compassionate and kind. Romans 5, 10, and 11 says, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And I really like Colossians 3.13 to go with this. And it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Not always easy, but we're supposed to. The next one says, you are heard. God always hears us. We can always have confidence that our prayers will be answered. Maybe not right now. Maybe not tomorrow morning. And maybe not the way that we want them to be answered. But he does answer them. And we have to, again, trust that what he's laid out for us is what he wants from us. If we're asking him to take our life and help us walk the right path, then who are we to go, oh, but that's not the answer I wanted, so I'm going to go this way instead. He will give us what we need, and he will show us the right way. We just have to trust. And then we have to remember, too, that not everybody is blessed with that comfort and safety of knowing that they can pray to the Lord, of hearing any kind of answer to prayer. They may feel like they have just been left behind. And I have to say, I believe that that's where we come into play as disciples of Jesus, to walk alongside someone who feels lost, who feels left behind, and let them know you're not, to remember to encourage them and lift them up. It's all part of being a disciple, is is loving someone else and encouraging them and showing them grace and compassion. Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13 says, Then you will call on me and come to pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 1 John 5, 15 says, And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. The next one says, You are gifted. Every single one of us has something that we are passionate about. Mine is the kids. Who knows what yours is, but you know what yours is, and God knows what yours is, and it's not an accident that that's what you're passionate about, that that's what fills your cup every single time you do what it is you do. He's designed us that way, and he, if we work together and use all of our different gifts, we have the Connect Me Sunday coming up in August, figure out what you like and where you can serve, and it may not always be on the, on the street serving, it may not be in the children's area serving, but there's somewhere that we can all serve, and it will give us that fulfillment and that love that we are seeking because we're all seeking it. We all want acceptance. We all want love. We all want to have this identity of being who we're supposed to be. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then 1 Peter 4.10 and 11 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Finding our identity in Jesus Christ makes us new. Spending each day with the Lord through prayer, through Bible reading, um, through fellowship, that encourages us helps us and encourages us to grow and be stronger in the Lord and to be able to spread his love to others around us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And that's so true. When we leave it all behind, all of our stuff, all of our baggage, we can rest in the knowledge that we are forgiven. Jesus already paid the price in full for us. By giving ourselves to him fully and trusting in him fully and obeying his commandments, we've now become his disciples. God loves us so that we can love other people. We're forgiven so we can forgive other people. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's from Ephesians 4.32. And finally, you are loved. You are so loved. Every one of you here is a treasure. When we let ourselves remember that love, we let ourselves feel that love, that forgiveness, that compassion that was offered to us, all the other stuff that keeps us from Jesus just doesn't really matter that much anymore. John, 1 John 4, 7 through 11 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to us as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. We should be a disciple. In those moments of uncertainty, times when I'm not sure, and there have been a few, um, I always come back to the parable of the lost shepherd. When I've wandered, and God has found me. He has put people in my life, people that are encouragers, people that are disciples, people that have loved me and have brought me back to the fold where I need to be. Um, in the parable of the lost sheep, the man owes a hundred sheep, and one of those sheep wanders off, and he leaves his 99, just like that song says. He leaves the 99 to go find the one. Each and every day, Jesus will leave the 99 to find us. If we're that one that's questioning, if we're wandering, if we're not sure, if we're feeling unstable. There's so many stories that I hear of people that have found redemption through the Lord. They've walked a path that they shouldn't have walked, but God loves us no matter what path we're walking. He wants us with him. He wants us to be a part of his sheep. Um, after learning all of these things, I think to myself, what is it like to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple? Am I a disciple of Jesus? Is this now my identity? Am I able to leave my stuff behind to follow him? So in 2004, I'm going to try not to cry. I'm going to get through this. In 2004, my family received orders to the Boston area. In 2005, we packed up our kids and we drove across country and we got out there. And I fell in love with it. It became home. It was everything I had hoped, everything I had imagined, everything I dreamed. And I thrived there. I don't know if my kids thrived. Some of them did, some of them didn't. I know Eric didn't really care for it much, but I loved it. I loved the people, and I loved my home, and I loved the Four Seasons. And in 2009, we got hit with orders coming back here. And I was not a happy girl. I was angry, and I was resentful, 
I came back sad and depressed. I carried this baggage with me. It was like I was walking around with this heavy backpack all the time. Not a whole lot made me happy. I was pretty unhappy. But the Lord knew, and the Lord knew where I belonged. And I would come to church, and I would feel like I didn't belong here, and I would leave in the middle of service. I had those moments where I just, I wasn't trusting the Lord. I wasn't walking with the Lord. It wasn't where I wanted to be. But again, there were people that God put in my life that encouraged me, that lifted me up, those disciples that loved me through a time that I thought was pretty dark. Fast forward eight years to 2017, New Year's Eve. I remember sitting on the couch, looking at my social media, Facebook posts. You know, everyone's putting up what their New Year's resolution is going to be. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to be kinder to people. And I'm like, huh, what should I do? Maybe I'll give up Diet Coke. I don't know. But then I realized that that's not what God wanted from me. So I did not have to give up my Diet Coke. Thank you, Lord. But... (laughs) um, What I did know is that God wanted something more from me. And I remember praying that night, and I remember committing and saying, Lord, I will follow you. I will listen to you and only respond to you. I will do what you want from me. 2018, New Year's Day, things changed. There was a visible change in me. All that baggage, though maybe still there, just not as heavy, kind of gone It was not important. All that stuff that I was carrying around with me didn't matter anymore. And I started following the Lord. And I started believing and trusting in him that he had my best interests at heart, that he wanted certain things for me, that he designed me to be who I needed to be. And I became bolder, and I was able to talk to more people about being a Christian. And I became bolder, and I was able to go to Pastor Chris and say, yeah, I want to take over the children's ministry. And I was able to do it. And it wasn't by accident. It's absolutely by design that I'm able to do what I do. And I think each and every time I get a little bit better and I get a little bit stronger, not because of me or anything that I'm doing, but because the Lord is continually equipping me. So when I made the decision to become a pastor, I was like, oh, okay, again, am I worthy? Probably not, but God thinks that I am and he's put me here. So a few weeks ago, Pastor Chris preached on Romans chapter 12, and the very first verse says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offering ourselves as a living sacrifice releases us from the bondage that holds us back, the bondage of what definition society has imposed upon us. Instead, our identity now is given to us through grace and love. Our identity becomes a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus. We're all completely unfinished. Not one of us is done and perfected yet. But having Jesus with us gives us strength and courage to continue walking the path that he wants us to walk. In the beginning, I shared who I am. And I had all kinds of identifiers. Sorry, I took this way. had all kinds of identifiers. I was Anna Banana. I was a kid's pastor. I was a wife, a mom, Nana. But now... I just want to carry this sign around that says I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's it. I'm just God's disciple. Everything else, it comes into play. Everything else is taken care of because of the Lord. Thanks. We're going to sing one more song.